In my own journey of faith at different times and with different intensity, I have sometimes asked, well, what does God really want from me? What does God really expect from me? What am I supposed to do? I don't know if you've ever asked that question, but if that question has occurred to you, you're not alone because it pops up in several places throughout scripture. We read, actually read this morning in the daily lectionary, we read it from the book of Micah with that searing question, what does the Lord require of you? Uh, Jesus was approached by someone putting him to the test and, and the person asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The apostles at various stages were asked, uh, how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? And if those questions have ever occurred to you, we find that throughout scripture, the question is not only posed, but there are answers. And sometimes the answers come from like the most unlikely people, outsiders, foreigners, people who are you know, not in the religious elite. And that's, that's what's happening this morning in the readings that you've heard, is that we have lessons about what we're called to do, what God expects from us, from two very unlikely sources, the Syrian general and this Samaritan leper. So let's see what they have to say to us. I identify three things that these two characters uh, teach us. Um, one, the first is um, sort of derived from the first beatitude. The first beatitude that Jesus uh, offers says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm not entirely sure of what that means, but there's one translation of that verse that says, blessed are those who know their need of God. And each of these two guys uh, are very much in touch with their needs. They're kind of at the end of their ropes. So we have this Syrian general uh, used to bossing people around, authoritative, entitled, has access to any kind of power that he might want in the world. And yet he comes to this place of utter helplessness and powerlessness because he's got this disease for which there is no cure. And there's certainly no cure in his big kingdom of Syria. Um, so he is sent, he is sent to um, kind of this backwater podunk preacher, uh, Elisha, to see if there's anything to do. Um, and he goes with all of his entourage but that going means that he knew in some way that he had a need that he couldn't solve himself. Similarly, we have these, these 10 lepers, uh, again, ostracized, forced out of the community, really no future. And they are very much, as they see Jesus pass by, they're very much in touch with their own need, with they, something I don't know when you've had this experience, something that is just beyond their control, something they can't fix. Um, and they, and they, so they cry out to Jesus. So the first thing they teach us about maybe what God expects for us to be honest about what we need and to recognize that there are things that are beyond our power um, to resolve. Which leads to the second thing, which is to say there is a higher power there is a place we can go. And what God maybe expects from us is to simply acknowledge that and to say, I come with this need and uh, I believe on some level 
that you can do something about it. The Syrian general's character, um, he goes with his whole entourage and he knocks on the door of Elisha. Um, Elisha sends a message and says, well, here's what you need to do. Uh, you need to go and bathe in this Jordan River, kind of a muddy little creek, um, and you'll be healed. And he's totally ticked off. He just says, well, I, you know, there, we have great rivers where I live. Um, and I, if I'm going to be healed, if I'm going to uh, solve this problem, I want to do it the old-fashioned way. I want to earn it. I would like to do something sort of really terrific because I'm a terrific guy and uh, I want to do something really hard. And so he heads back home and then the servant says to him, you know, if they'd asked you to do something really hard, you probably would have done it. Uh, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And that question opens a door for this guy. And he goes and does it and is healed. That he does that. That he makes his way to that muddy little river and dips seven times. I would call that faith. It's a mustard seed of faith. He wasn't sure about this. He went reluctantly. He had to be talked into it. But that's okay. He, he brought that little bit of faith and that opened the door for him. Similarly, similarly um, the, the leper, all of those 10 guys come to Jesus with some sense, they cry out, have mercy on me. I don't know how they, what they had heard about Jesus, but they come with some sense that Jesus could do something about a situation that they had no control over. And that is, uh, again, opens the door for them to be, uh, to receive the grace, to receive the healing power that Jesus had available to them. So I wonder in the midst of, as you come here this morning, maybe you have a need that just feels uh, you can't overcome or powerless in the face of, uh, what would be, even if it's a mustard seed, what would be that small bit of faith that you would bring in the confidence and the hope and the trust and the suspicion that maybe God can help you with that? So they teach us about our need, they teach us about uh, God expecting, wanting, desiring, just the smallest bit of faith. And then the third thing, as they are each transformed in their own lives, as they each experience God's healing power, as they each are given a new lease on life, they offer thanks. The Syrian, uh, the Syrian general comes back, and what he does when he meets, what he meets uh, Elisha is basically worship. He says, now I get it. Now I understand this higher power has actually been there to, to help me. And, and, and that is the God of Israel, who's the God of all creation. It's an act of worship. And the leper, the Samaritan, the outsider, person who shouldn't know any better, comes back one out of nine, 10%, one out of nine comes back and says, thank you. And, uh, that is, an, uh, again, in another way, expression of worship and gratitude, which is another thing that God uh, asks of us, another thing God wants. There's a wonderful Psalm, Psalm 50, one of my favorites. And God is talking to Israel and he says, you know, when you bring me those bulls and calves and lambs and sheep uh, to offer, and you do all this exotic stuff with all the things you have, remember those are, those are already mine. I actually don't need those. 
<laughs> what, what I do need is, in the language of the psalm, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I need you just to open up and say, yes, Lord, you are the one who helped me. You are the one who offered that new life-giving power to me. Not because uh, God is psychologically deficient and needs to hear our praise, but because that puts us in a new relationship with God and seals our healing. It sort of says, yes, this is, this is the relationship I want to fold, uh, walk into a relationship of, of thanks. I think it was in the 13th century, Meister Eckert said, if the only prayer you say is thank you, that is enough. The only prayer you say is thank you, that is enough. And so as we think about what God wants from us, we come to this table as we do every Sunday morning and at other times as well. We come to this table and we come to worship. In a minute we'll say a confession, which is many way, in many ways an expression of our need. Uh, what we can't uh, have power over, and with that, then we, uh, as an expression of faith in the forgiveness that we've experienced, we come to this table and like Naaman was asked to do something very simple, Jesus gives us something very simple to do. He's pretty clear, this is what I want you to do. Come together and share bread and wine. Don't have to be more elaborate than that. But you come and you say Thanksgiving, which is what Eucharist means. It means Thanksgiving. And you share that gift and then um, live into that transforming power of God's presence, of God's presence uh, with us. And we say that, um, we say that Thanksgiving not only with our lips, but with our lives, going back to what Micah said, what does the Lord require of you? To, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, to have our lives transformed in that moment of Thanksgiving. Um, we learn these lessons from these two unlikely sources, two outsiders. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I don't know how you feel, I think we're all unlikely sources. I think each one of us comes with some brokenness, some way that maybe it's a surprise that God would want to work in and through any of us or each of us or all of us together. But that's like the really good news of these stories is that as we come together, God asks for us to be in touch with our need, to trust that he can help, and then simply uh, to say thanks. Amen.